You are listening to the Tri-Quarter Transmissions Special. Episode 18. And now, here are Craig and Jeff. the tricorder transmissions this is a very special supplemental episode number 18 where we'll be talking about spock's brain i'm craig and i'm jeff and jeff this is an episode that we split our essential vote on but we're still doing a supplemental episode for yeah first time so far it's all been double essential supplementals up till this point yeah. So as always on our supplemental episodes, we have guests and we have what some of the members of the the super panel with us. We have April A. Bear and Vernon Wilmer. Hi, guys. Hello, <laughs> super panel. <laughs> so, guys, we haven't seen you since we were in Las Vegas and I was sitting down with Jeff to record one day. And I said, you know what? We have to reach out to those guys to and see what episodes this season they want to talk about. In April, you said uh, something to the effect of, I think I, I kind of want to talk about Spock's brain. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, well, I have to say that to me, Spock's brain is like Gene Roddenberry's tribute to Ed Wood. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's one of my favorite episodes just to watch. And it has so many awesome, memorable lines in it that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't not be here, you know, and, uh, and talk with you guys about it. Excellent. Excellent. So, Jeff, I know that uh, on these supplementals, you normally put together a uh, uh, sort of a, a run sheet for us. Uh, so do you want to uh, take the wheel at this point? Oh, absolutely. So I, I do have quite a healthy agenda for Spock's brain. This is a, quite a, a popular or unpopular, as the case may be, uh, episode of the original series. And I, I wanted to kick off uh, this, this episode with a trivia question about Spock's brain Ooh. that all three of you get to answer. But Vernon goes last because we know how <laughs> Vernon is with trivia. That's right. Vernon answered it already. Ah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode, Spock's Brain, is the only episode in the original series that features one thing, one special, special thing uh, that, that really sets it apart. And it's something that actually, uh, if you look at other Star Trek series, also happens very, very rarely. So uh, let's... Throw to April 1st. What do you think that special thing is? Oh, my God. I don't have a clue. No clue. I, uh, uh, a horrible plot. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, there's plenty of those. Plenty of those. No. Um, no, I can't. I can't even think. Give me a clue. Oh, come on. It'll give it away. Ah, oh, jeez. You are Okay, something, you are harsh. something that no other Star Trek episode has? The original series. No other okay. original series episode has it. Uh, can you at least narrow it down to, is it a prop or a uh, uh, a film process? Or no, no, no neither of those. It's <laughs> it's not bigger than a bread box. <laughs> oh, jeez. Any clue, Craig? 
I'm really trying to think of this episode and uh, what what makes it stand out in terms of doing something that other episodes haven't. And I'm hitting a wall. Think about Spock's, Spock's brain. Control. Spock's brain. Think about it. Spock's remote control walking thingy. Now, <laughs> mm, yeah, well, maybe, maybe no. But I'm thinking of something more, uh, more prominent than that. More prominent. What? Give oh, up. You're killing me. Everybody, give up. Uh, um. Uh, I gave up before you asked. Ion propulsion? <laughs> nope, no. nope. They've talked about that before. Damn it. I'm thinking of one thing. It's one thing. You're going to kick yourself when I tell you. Oh, God. Time's ticking away. I give up. Yeah. All right. It is the only original series episode to feature the name of a character in the title. Oh, wow. So no major characters ever got their name in a title of a Star Trek episode with the exception of Spock. And that was for Spock's brain. Wow, that's a great trivia question. Yeah, pretty neat, huh? Mm-hmm. That could have led to an entire series of episodes like Uhura's breast and Kirk's <laughs> penis. <laughs> Scotty's accent. <laughs> Sulu's disappearance. <laughs> and the list goes on and on. Chekhov's wig, you know. Oh, see? April's in on it, too. April's in on it, too. All right. So that was a fun trivia question to kick us off. So Yeah, what made you think of that, Jeff? Uh, you know, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. I was just going through some information about the episode as I was building this uh, list of, of topics to discuss, and it was something that kind of jumped out. I was like, wait a minute. So you I thought I would throw me, that. Uh, Larry Nemechek would be proud. You, I, you stumped I know. Vernon. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll have to, yeah, we'll have we to have, get him yeah, on the show at some point it. with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you know what? Let's, let's address the elephant in the room first. Uh, the, Spock's brain is typically referred to as the worst or one of the worst episodes of the original series. And I know April has already flipped her hand and said that she does not think it's one of the worst and it's one of her favorites. But uh, Craig and Vernon, we still have uh, your opinions and, of course, my own. So, Vernon, do you think, in your own opinion, is Spock's brain the worst or one of the worst TOS episodes? And why or why not? I think it's one of the worst, only in the sense that... uh... Uh, it goes in a different direction as far as, you know, meeting a happy uh, place between serious and comedy. They kind of screwed mm. that up. I have to disagree with April on one thing. It's not Gene Roddenberry's vision of anything. He left the show at that point. Well, and I, but I, w- what's good about it is it's kind of iconic for almost the enti- if not just season three, the entire series, the go-go boots and the, uh, the, the wrist doodads that the girls have. Mm-hmm. People tend to think of that episode when they think of Star Trek that they're not too familiar with it. It was parodied on um, parodied on uh, uh, the Wonder Years. Little Fred Savage mm-hmm. has a dream about being in that episode. Oh wow! I don't remember that. Uh, I think if there was a more unwatchable episode, especially for me, that would be the Empath. I can't get through that episode. Mm-hmm. It's oh, so that boring. is terrible. The one with Melvin Belli is totally unwatchable. Yeah, I would I would rather watch Spock's brain and have a few yucks than sit through the empath any Absolutely. day. Absolutely, this is at least entertaining. You yeah. know what I mean? It has really high entertainment value. That's why I love it. Excellent. Yeah, and Vernon, that was sort of my takeaway when we talked about whether it was essential or not on our commentary. For me, it's not a boring episode, and. As long as I'm being entertained, I really can't call it the worst of the series. I mean, at this point, 
I would hold like the alternative factor up against oh. this in terms of you know that's a pretty boring episode that's mm. god awful yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty terrible so for me that's what really w- what saves this is the entertainment value i we did talk a little bit about how it it seems like it might have been not enough story for 50 minutes but um when, once you get past that the episode doesn't really drag it might chase its tail a little bit but oh it's it's so fun to watch it's fun to watch bones like uh, you know using its little thing to move spock around how you, awesome is that you can't beat the shatner line what have you done with spock's brain well it's it seems like none of us all four of us none of us think that spock's brain is the worst episode uh, some of us rank it a little higher uh, than others in, in the in the grand scheme of things but apparently none of us agree that it is the worst so uh, that that's it's actually pretty good. The that's, silliest episode. And it's pretty silly. Oh well, yeah, it's kind of silly, but we'll we'll get into more of that kind of talk later. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, next up, I have a couple of um, everybody seems to have their criticisms, so everybody has shared a little bit of their criticisms of the episode. But I have a couple of early script bits that were changed for air. So these are things that could have been in the episode. Uh, but were changed or altered later on. And I'm, I'm going to run a couple of them by you guys, and I want you to tell me whether you think the episode would have been better or worse had Aww. these things been left in. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Number one, uh, in, in, in an early draft of the script, McCoy did not receive any information or extra help from the teacher or uh, any special knowledge of surgery of, of any kind. He uh, used some of the uh, the planet's surgical techniques that he learned uh, elsewhere, uh, not from some sort of, of, a, of a, an intelligence infusion. And when combined with his existing surgical skills, he was able to reimplant Spock's brain. Boo. Oh, okay. Well, that was that. Craig flipped his cards. April, do you think that would have made the episode more believable or less? Wow, although I, I do appreciate uh, Bones' medical knowledge, uh, he he himself said he didn't have the knowledge to do that. So, hmm, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think that he needed that, uh, you know, that uh, knowledge of the whoever these people were um, to put it back. So yeah, I don't think it would have helped. Hmm, interesting, Vernon. I think the episode needed the plot complication of the teaching device. Mm-hmm. It It is very integral to many aspects of the episode. It, it, it gives you that suspense towards the end, that it's a yeah. it, kind of a MacGuffin that you have to use really quick well, uh, in order to save your hero. It, deus ex machina, you know, that comes in at the last minute and saves everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the episode needed it. It was well it was well written in. It was an important plot device, even mm. though it looked like a hair curler. <laughs> yes. With spark plugs stuck in it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it's another interesting thought that if, if the if the teacher device was not in the episode, I just thought about this, you know, how would the, uh, the, the, the childlike uh, exactly. leader that's take Spock's brain out in the first place? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So that that's that's a that would have been a little bit awkward to explain as well, or maybe they didn't try to explain it at all. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, you know, Bones, good doctor, not that good. No, so. <laughs> and and I don't think anybody would fault him. Yeah. So Craig, you said boo. <laughs> yes, I think that adds such a great level to see this sort of amped up uh, mentally McCoy, who's got access to 
you know, a, a level of, of knowledge that he normally didn't have access to. And yeah. it's great just to watch DeForest Kelly act that and sort of see this McCoy with this swagger, um, with this, you know, sort of increased intelligence. Um, right. And then you wouldn't have had that line, a child could do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's another great line. Mm -hmm. Jim, can you find me a child? <laughs> <laughs> So actually, I think, Craig, you and I, were when we were talking through our commentary uh, on Spock's brain, we both seemed to to point that bit out as a high point as when uh, you know McCoy is reattaching Spock's brain. We, we thought that the performance uh, by DeForest Kelly during that scene was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to some of the other bits from the episode. April or Vernon, do you have any thoughts? Did you, did you like that scene or, or did you think it was really uh, too hokey to get past or? It was pretty cheesy, I will say that. But, I mean, DeForest Kelly, he's such a great actor. You know, he, whatever he had to work with, he did an excellent <laughs> job. And, and I think he, uh, you know, he rocked that scene. It's impossible to dislike anything DeForest Kelly has ever done. Mm. And he was great in that scene. Uh, Nimoy's the funny part of that scene. Uh, very good, Doctor. Uh, 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 very good, Doctor. <laughs> that leads us perfectly uh, into the next early script bit, uh, speaking about the brain being uh, re-implanted and Spock talking him through it and, and making those funny mouth noises. So uh, in, in another early draft of the script, after McCoy completes the brain implant surgery, Spock has some side effects. And because of McCoy uh, reversed some of the connections or, or uh, misconnected several nerve endings and and this caused Spock to uh, do things such as laugh when he wanted to sneeze. So uh, over time, though, uh, the episode explained that he was able to restore those errors or, or make mental workarounds using his Vulcan mental disciplines. Oof. So, oh, Craig Cohen, you obviously want to go first. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have these instant reactions to some of these uh, early script things. And that's another boo for me. Uh, that seems a little too far over the comedy um, edge for me. And as cool as it would be to think that Spock would figure out how to sort of rework his brain, I, I just it just seems a little too a little too much for me. Hmm. April or Vernon, want to take it? I got to say that um, there is a mythos out there that this script was originally supposed to be comedy, like in the vein of uh, the Tribbles episode. Um, but that they decided against it. Now, if it was comedy, that would have been awesome. That's all I got to say. <laughs> think Vernon? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the plot, uh, the uh, early script bit that was altered uh, had Spock suffering some uh, ill effects from McCoy messing up some of the implant and having some side effects. Uh, completely unnecessary. It didn't. It wouldn't have contributed to the story. It would have been too much comedy cutesy, which the episode has enough of already. I'm glad they left that out. Because we already have. Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We do get that little bit of. Uh, I don't know if that was the, that was obviously unintentional humor, but it kind of turned out to be a little bit on the funny side. So one final uh, early script change, and th this one is. This one, I think, would have had a major impact on uh, the, the overall episode. And this was uh, when Kirk 
and company are using the communicators inside the compound and actually speak with Spock's disembodied brain. Uh, Kirk gives Spock a, an order to enact the, the Vulcan uh, state of, of complete mental control and, uh, and, and essentially shut down uh, his functions and thus crippling the, um, the, the, the station. So I think that would have changed the entire tone of, of the episode. So, and uh, I'm not even sure that's kind of a broad one to, to dive into, but. When would that have been in there? When were they going to do that? Like when they first found out that Spock was the, the brain of this place? Or? Yeah. Well, there's that scene where they, uh, you know, Kirk has his communicator out and they're talking back and forth with the disembodied Spock. Right. And, you know, Spock is, his brain is inside the controller unit, but he's able to speak somehow and uh, you know, try to guide them to wherever he might be. And during that scene in the original or early script, uh, Kirk executes that order and tells Spock to to, to execute that Vulcan discipline. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, does Spock try to do it and it doesn't work? I mean, I, I'm not sure where that plot point would be going. If it sounds sense. like a good plot device, but uh, judging by the rest of the story and the other plot complications, it wouldn't have had a place to fit in anywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. For me, it seems like it takes a little bit of the drama out of the episode if, if all they have to do to convince those people that they're not going to be able to have Spock's brain anymore is to say, well, if you can't have it, it's not going to work anyway. I don't know. It just seems like it cuts some of the legs out of the, the drama of the story. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't sound like it would have worked very well. It would have been a much shorter episode. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out in my own mind where the episode would have gone uh, if that had happened. So I also wonder if that wouldn't have really been – you'd think that would be an idea that Spock would have come up with as opposed to Kirk. True. Yeah. True. Good point. Point. I mean, why would Kirk even really know that the Vulcans had that ability? Maybe he was uh, channeling uh, some knowledge he had from from earlier on, especially when uh, when Spock had been uh, been shot, right? And he he went into that that meditative state to heal himself. Good point. Yeah, I think it would have been something that he would have known that Vulcans could do. You know what, though, Kirk reminds Spock a lot in the second and third season, Spock. Don't Vulcans have the ability to <laughs> transport their bodies through time, levitate and juggle with one hand tied behind their back blindfolded? Yes, Captain, but it requires immense concentration. You've got to try. <laughs> hey, I did. It wasn't that hard after all. <laughs> he always seems to be able to pull it off. All right. So any final thoughts on any of these uh, early script moments before we, we plow ahead? It no. sounds like they went with the best of the material they had available to them. Yeah. Which is surprising but uh, i have to say that it wouldn't be as entertaining mm. <laughs> if they had put any of those those different uh, plot points in there true any final thoughts on those craig from you no a good find all right so uh moving on i wanted to to dive more into uh, the brain removal and reconnection and I, I i know that a lot of people cite that piece of this episode as the the reason why it's so Bad. They feel that it's so ridiculous and so far fetched that uh, it really makes the episode silly. And uh, I don't know if you guys uh, feel the same way, but I pulled up a few examples of other outlandish and far fetched things we've seen already in Star <laughs> Trek that I think may even be uh, as far fetched or even more far fetched. 
So before we jump into those, how do you guys feel about the brain uh, removal and more importantly, the reimplantation? Do you think it's too far-fetched even for Star Trek? Well, without the brain removal, you wouldn't have uh, Bones saying he's worse than dead, which is one of my favorite lines in all of Star Trek. <laughs> good one. He's worse than dead. His brain is gone. That, <laughs> seriously, isn't that the best line ever? <laughs> one of them. <laughs> um, I mean, why not? Why not remove Spock's brain, you know? I, <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. Sorry. I think it was a great plot. Uh, it was just executed in a silly way. Had, had more care been given to how to portray this plot complication of Spock's brain being removed mm -hmm. and then having to be reattached, I don't think it would have seemed as far-fetched. If that episode was done in one of the first two seasons, it probably would have been a, a perfectly executed episode. Do you, do you think that was budget limitations or just the the schedule that they were working under no, there, Vernon? It was Fred Freiberger's style. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the budget limitations, you know, uh, him having the little the little cloth over his forehead covering up the fact he had no brain, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I think the, 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 you know, the reinsertion of the brain, the, like, the sort of, you know, uh, magician's tricks of it looks like Spock's sort of head is being sawed in half. I don't know. I think they could have covered that better where you have maybe, I guess they wanted to see Nimoy's face. But I don't know if maybe if his whole head had been covered with some kind of Star Trek looking device, it would have made McCoy's surgery look a little bit. Actually, I have to say, as a filmmaker mm -hmm. and for a 1960s audience, you needed to see Nimoy's face and that it was at peace. If you had had his entire head covered with some sort of apparatus, it mm -hmm. would have looked too horrifying for yeah. the 1960s audience. At least they could have had the top of his head, you know, with the scalp, like, sitting on a table somewhere. <laughs> with the tips of the ears. The yeah, something of the ears like on. that. You know, that would have made it more realistic. Uh, well, I think the point that, that kind of pushed it over the edge for me, and I, I, I can totally buy into the brain being taken out, and the brain being put back in. But the fact that Spock immediately stands up after it's all over and his hair is perfect <laughs> and there's no scarring at all and he's just able to just get right back up as if nothing ever happened. Yeah, you know, 23rd... Yeah, 23rd century. century. You've got you've got a dermal suture, uh, sure. lasers, and stuff like that. I, I can see. I can see how, you know, that would be possible. But then if she had taken his brain and she had, like, way more advanced stuff, why didn't she just put a top of his head back on and suture it back on? And he, why why did they need the little cloth on his head? You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and where, did the, where did the top of his head come from? <laughs> Was that back on the Enterprise after being removed? Yeah, that's yes. Where where was all this? There were a lot of things that they didn't think through. It was laying on Uhura's console. Oh. <laughs> what the? Somebody left Spock's scalp out again. <laughs> and that remote control unit, does that only work on people without brains? Apparently. <laughs> Why would that be invented? How often do people have not have brains? Cobbled it together. Like I, I got to point out, um, there is a hilarious blooper in the episode um when you when mccoy first attaches that device and first starts to walk spock out of the room keep your eye on deforest kelly because he begins to crack up and immediately turns his head away from the camera wow and they just left the shot in 
Wow, I'm going to have to go look at that again. It's hilarious. Huh. Well, we'll have to we'll have to go look for that after after we're done here. So I I brought out a few examples of things that that we've seen in other episodes of Trek that I thought were just about as as far-fetched and crazy that we kind of let slide uh, in our other commentaries. In fact, some of these episodes are actually uh, kind of popular. One is actually a very popular episode. I'm going to save that one for last. So uh, the first one I thought about was uh, Return to Tomorrow, in mm. which the the spirits or, or the, um, the, the mental personalities of these ancient uh, beings are being stored in those orbs, and they're able to transfer themselves without any sort of machinery uh, into, you know, Spock and and Kirk's bodies and kind of jump in and out at will and, you know, without any interaction from Kirk or Spock. I mean, and we kind of just bought into that, right? It's, it's, it's cool. We can understand they did that. It's some sort of alien technique or whatnot. But, you know, th- th- there's a th- there's a lot that, ha- that has to be done. If you, th- if you think about a process like that, uh, you know, w- what has to happen? I mean, the, how is the, the spirit of Kirk transferred back out of his brain and into the orb and the other one put into Kirk's brain and it taken out of the orb and did, did stage it, lights. Weren't you watching stage lights? I saw the stage lights, but you guys, you, do you got, you guys don't think that that is as ridiculous as a uh, future brain surgery. Well, uh, that was, you know, that later in the Star Trek canon, Vulcan Katra technology. Well, that's mm-hmm. true. Uh, is very similar to what Sargon had going on mm-hmm. uh, with the, uh, uh, I think it all started with Star Trek Three, and then continued on in Enterprise about storing the Katras in the... Do those receptacles have a name? I can't remember. God, I don't remember. There's, well, it was part that was cut out of Star Trek Three. actually. There's a... Katra storage devices. Oh, I'm she's Googling. She's Googling. <laughs> Googling. There was a part cut out of Star Trek Three where there is a temple uh, that they walk through on the way up Mount Soleil mm-hmm. that has all these orbs, just like Sargon's orbs, with the Vulcan, the the Katras of the Vulcan masters from the centuries uh, embedded in there. You know, it's a real shame we never got any kind of DVD treatment with deleted scenes from Star Trek III. That's true. That's true. No Blu-ray either. I think when when they introduced that sort of technology to the Vulcan culture, it was more acceptable than just in that episode. The the Vrakatra... Was a receptacle where, where used did, to where, contain the Katra. Where'd you learn your Vulcan, J.C. Penny? For, for <laughs> Obviously, not the experience. But you are pushing it, baby. <laughs> Watch it. Okay. But Vrakatra, uh, V-R-E-K-A-T-R-A. Well, I never had to say that hmm. as a Vulcan, so. True, but but even the Vulcan technique of transferring your essence as it were, required touch, right? It required, right, required the mind melt. So Sargon didn't need touch at all. He could just jump into somebody's body whenever he felt like it, right? And take their spirit out and throw it back in the orb where he was. Right. But again, you're forgetting about the stage lights. (laughs) We're not supposed to think about stage lights. This is is alien... Techniques. You're supposed to buy into this plot <laughs> point. That's what you're supposed to do. You know what? It might be that might be a little out there and corny, but it, it, I think that episode was executed well. Uh, unlike Spock Rain. Exactly. So you could buy it. Okay. All right. So we'll move on to. I, I, and I staged these in the order that I thought they were more uh, ridiculous. Let's move on to the Deadly Years. <laughs> where wow. cool. Yeah. 
we see Enterprise crew members rapidly age to extreme elderly age. And then once they're cured, they immediately snap back to their original age that they were and appearance that they were when they contracted the disease. Yeah, hard to buy into. That was silly. You know what's funny about their aging in that episode? Hmm? They left out the fat. (laughs) (laughs) They just got old and skinny. That's true. That's true. But, you know, I, I thought I, I like the Deadly Years. In fact, I think Craig likes the Deadly Years as well. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, I, I thought that, you know, that was something I think we talked about in the commentary was that, you know, we thought it was pretty uh, far-fetched. I mean, I can under, I can see buy into getting some sort of a disease that rapidly ages you. But how do you, when revert? you, how do you revert exactly to where you were? Uh, when you contracted the disease, how does how does the how does your body know to rewind back? How does Kirk go back to being thirty four year old normal Kirk when he was just thirty four year old one hundred and five year old Kirk? That's a Scooby Doo ending. So <laughs> 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 like, you're like thirty four again. <laughs> that was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> you know what? My favorite. I got, while we're on that episode, you can't beat that line. You traitorous, disloyal. Stabbing the fan, the best stabbing the back, the first chance you get. <laughs> Kirk had a lot of great lines in that episode. Getting a little gray. I I, I dislike that episode immensely. Don't get me started. Really? Oh, no. Why, April? Go, come on, let it go, let it go. I just, I just think it's really, I think it's really ageist. Okay, it's an ageist episode, mm. and they treat. Okay, I understand that it's part of the disease that you look and act like an old person, but old people don't. I mean, I'm sorry. Don't get me I, I don't look at that episode as those characters aging. I look at it as they are suffering from radiation poisoning, which is kind of like a Methuselah syndrome they have going on. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously they're nothing in that episode like they actually turned out to be when they aged no, in but reality. That, but what it does is take all the stereotypes of... of Shatner was doing the old man, he, but he was doing stage. Like. He, he's a stage actor, and he was doing stage old man. Is what he was I doing. I guess I just find it really insulting. And <laughs> well, okay, there's no reason on. you should because you are the youngest person. Oh, of course I am. Anyway, back to- <laughs> back to the show. Back to the show. Craig Cohen, <laughs> Deadly Years, Aging and Reversal versus Brain Reimplantation. Yeah, I think again this gets back to sort of Vernon's point about execution and the. Yeah. The biggest thing going against Spock's brain is the execution. And the end of the deadly years is fun to watch. And uh, the music and the editing timing and you're into it and you're like, yeah. And Kirk shows up on that bridge young and you're like, yeah, uh, Spock's brain has nothing like that at the end. No, it does not. It's one of my favorite Kirk hero moments of the entire series. The end of the deadly years. So uh, that was an order, Lieutenant Code 2. I love that one. All right. So. I don't know if this last one's going to get me in trouble or not. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> in April, I don't know if you're going to get mad at me for this or not. Oh, I'm not mad at you. No, I for this next one that I'm going to bring up. Okay. I am going to bring up one of the things that I, I had a lot of trouble buying into, and, and it's a very, very popular episode. And I know Craig and I disagreed on this one, and a lot of people disagree with me on this one. And that one is the ending of Mud's Women. I thought that... Uh, the fact that she's able to transform herself from the the aging, quote-unquote, unattractive state into a younger, quote-unquote, more beautiful state, sheerly by the force of her own will in having self, uh, self-confidence or however they explained it, and it physically transformed her 
uh, as the drug had done prior. So she was able to do this without the drug. I thought was a little bit too much. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing, only misogynist instead of. The beauty was within you all along. Mm-hmm. Ping. That, yeah. was, that was dumb. That was kind of dumb. Yeah, and I, I mean, if it if it didn't ring so uh, hollow with me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, really? Hey, it's 1966. No, Max I understand. Factor, Max I, Factor? I totally understand. <laughs> We're talking about the 60s here and, you know, all the stereotypes that existed and, mm-hmm. you know, the way people thought of of uh, age and gender and those kinds of things. So I, I totally understand it, but it, it doesn't make it better. One of, the, one of the downfalls of some of the original episodes is that, you know, being a mirror of the times, you've got lines like Pike saying, I know, I just can't get used to what having a woman on the yep. bridge. And he's talking yes. about a yeoman. Yes. Now, in the prequel series, Enterprise, we've got Captain, uh, uh, what was it, Hernandez? Of the uh, Columbia right. was a yes. female, not Hernandez. What the hell was her name? Captain. She was Archer Squeeze. That's yeah. They they did that to kind of to kind of ease that into the audience. Yeah. yeah, we've got a chick captain in the prequel series, but she's banging Archer, so that makes it cool. <laughs> <laughs> now that's sober talk, guys. That's sober talk. That's sober talk. See that normally. Uh, so um. I, it's not. I, I don't. It's not necessarily uh, for me. It wasn't that you know. It was the, the the transformation from unattractive to attractive. But it was just the fact that somebody could transform themselves uh, just by the sheer force of will. That that I thought was a little bit on the hokey side. Uh, you know, I'm just matching it up to the whole brain surgery implant thing. And I'm trying to think of which one is is more viable for me. And I think in the future in Star Trek time, I can totally buy into the fact that they can take a brain out and put it back in. Can I tell you a secret that, that might help you resolve the whole Eve Venus drug inner beauty thing? Sure. Any way they showed her in that episode, she was never attractive. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And that's still sober hey, talk? I'm wrong. Ouch. What? Anyway. The brunette one was hot. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. <laughs> Craig Cohen, let's let's wrap this section up. <laughs> yeah, I think when we talked about that episode on the commentary, I sort of went with the whole, you know, her confidence was her beauty line. And I think that really sells it, for me at least. But it's definitely far-fetched. I mean, if you've illustrated anything here, Jeff, it's the fact that by the third season, and we kind of hit on this in our in our commentary track, people should be accepting of what star trek is serving up Mm. you know taking the idea that you've got this federation of planets that's got interaction with alien races and the technology they have if you believe that you know it's like where do you stop believing right it's like somebody goes to see a you know a spider-man movie and they say oh my god you know spider-man did this and then you say or you know they they pick out an absurd plot point and you say, well, it's a movie where a guy shoots webs out of his wrists. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, at, at that point, where's your suspension of disbelief begin and end? Yeah. I think buying a ticket to the Spider-Man movie is acknowledgement that you're buying into the concept, right? Yeah. And I think sitting down to watch Star Trek, you know, you know, Vernon mentioned, you know, the execution. And if you can forgive the execution, it definitely falls in line with what the series has presented thus far. Yeah. Agreed. It, as far yeah. as buying things that are like not believable, I, 
the episode uh, Spock's brain has has an example in there for the characters. The the, the idiot morgue guards fall for Scotty's pathetic little fainting spell yes. when the. Uh, I mean that. That's hard. That part's hard to watch because it's almost like Jimmy Doohan didn't even put any effort into it. He's like, oh, you need a distraction? And then they all fall for it. It's the stupidest scene in the whole thing. <laughs> uh, all right. So to wrap this up, we'll do a little round table and we'll put each of you on the spot. And uh, we'll start with Craig Cohen this time. Craig, are there any moments in any Star Trek episodes, original series episodes, that you think are... Uh, Potentially more far-fetched than the the brain being reattached. Yeah, we talked about the alternative factor. Uh, the dude that keeps falling off cliffs and not dying. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lazarus. <laughs> oh man, April, any any jump to mind for you? Well, you know, yes, it's it's hard to it's hard to buy into, but as Craig mentioned, suspension of disbelief is is crucial to enjoying anything in Star Trek. So, yes, all kinds of crazy things happen, but it's Star Trek. You gotta love it. And so um, I think I think it's all equally unbelievable and yet fabulous. Hmm. Vernon, I know you have something crazy to say for this one. <laughs> uh, I really don't have anything new to add other than I don't think the plot of Spock's brain is any more incredulous than anything else that happened in the rest of the series. I just think that because it's a third season Fred Freiberger episode, it was executed not poorly, but in a manner that sticks out like a sore thumb from the rest of the series. And there are intolerable things about that episode, and there are wonderful things about that episode. The best, of course, being the miniskirts and go-go boots. <laughs> <laughs> Shatner's dialogue, and uh, uh, there's some pretty cool shots in the remastered version with the ion-propelled ship yep. and the uh, planet surface for the beam down. Pretty cool stuff there. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I, I like it. I think it belongs in the Star Trek canon, and it, it stands out, and it should be enjoyed as well as hated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on, and uh, Spock's brain, uh, like many, many other original series and beyond, episodes also has in it a an aspect of uh, social commentary uh you know the episode kind of makes reference to some things or some common uh, thoughts and fears and and concerns of the time and it's not well uh, fleshed out and it's kind of overshadowed a little bit by some of the um the writing and, and some of the direction in the episode but uh, in the background of Spock's brain is a story of a society that was once really, really, really technologically advanced. And, uh, you know, an ice age came and they they became so dependent on the technology that they were using to survive that they kind of devolved into a, a, a mental state uh, where they were where they were in a state of mental arrest as a, you know, in a younger state in their minds, as McCoy says. And they couldn't exist without that technology. They became so reliant on it that that there was no way they could get by. And I, I thought it was kind of fascinating because, you know, obviously back at the time, automation was becoming a thing. And we've seen other Trek episodes where automation and, and you know, machines taking over jobs and, and, and uh, computers becoming more prevalent uh, was a concern for people. And, you know, we're still seeing this type of thing happening today where we as a society 
uh, in the United States and, and other places are becoming so dependent on all of this technology that you, know, you start to wonder where we would be if all of a sudden something like electricity disappeared and stopped working. So uh, I thought that was kind of a, a, a poignant plot device in this episode, and I, I felt bad that it's kind of overshadowed. So uh, thoughts on that concept? Anyone? Vernon, since you, chipped, you chimed in? I'm sorry, I was making a Steve Jobs joke. Um, but it's also it kind of a Borg analogy in later Star Treks that uh, a society can become, or the Binars, so dependent on their technology that they can't function uh, solely biologically without the technology. We are, we as human beings in the 21st century are definitely there. All it's going to take is one little cat, uh, catastrophic uh, either you know, geo event or extraterrestrial event, but by that I mean meteor strikes or something like that, we're going to be screwed. Mm-hmm. We won't know what the hell to do. 2% of us will survive whatever the hell is coming up. Mm. And I blame Steve Jobs. I would definitely love to be a morgue because... Um, women are definitely the bringers of, of pain and oh, delight. Oh, God. I, I mean, that's any, any version of society, women are exactly that. I couldn't, they, they could not have distilled women down to their constituent elements better than that line in that episode. Oh, God. The bringers of pain and delight. Okay. <laughs> we have one of those bringers of pain and delight with us. That's April, why don't you go next? <laughs> Well, I have to say that there there was a lot um, similar in this uh, that there was in the movie uh, Idiocracy, if you recall yes. that. Yes. I mean, it did remind me of it as I was watching it. I was like, oh, same thing. You know, people, people become so dependent on technology that they don't use their brains for, you know, anything, basically. Um, so, yeah, it all kinds of boils down to uh, the, the differences between women and men. And because women in, on this planet happen to have the, uh, the technology, they don't know how to use it, <laughs> they have it, so they're in a much better state than the, the male of the species is, who they just kind of relegate to the, uh, to the ice planet, and uh, that seems kind of cruel, though. I, I, I don't know, I've, that part of it really kind of, uh, it, it rubbed me the wrong way and seemed, again, a little misogynistic, which, again, we are in the 60s, but, uh, it, boy... You have boy Vernon has such a negative view of women. That's so sad. What are you talking about? I love women. <laughs> women are great. What are you talking about? Do, do they keep you uh, in the ice? Or, I don't know. What, what's going on? Okay, <laughs> let, let me defend my myself from that comment. Yes, please. By saying that in that episode, the morgue, after just a few uh, seconds of interaction with the landing party eventually start to reason and even explain things to the landing party. Whereas the females, the iMorg down below, they, they first of all, they take the thing and they go, wah, 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 and they stun everybody. Then they attach torture devices to them. They don't explain anything. In fact, they don't know anything because they can't understand normal thinking. That's... <laughs> wow. That's... <laughs> That's well, a, a, okay, well, I wonder a, if if eons ago, 
when, you know, when this ice age first came upon them and they realized that, you know, they had to go underground and uh, whatever happened to them in the past. Yeah, the that women they went thought, underground and told the guys, we'll be right back. Right, because they thought that the women would be safer underground and that the men would be better off on the surface. You know, I don't, I don't know how that happened. How did that yeah, it really does give rise to a lot of questions about how did that society evolve to the point where they were completely separated like that. And obviously, the women came up to, I don't know what they did with the guys. They would kidnap every, right, every now and occasionally. then. Occasionally. Yeah. yeah, that's a little kinky, don't you think? <laughs> so, yeah, well, they had the go-go boots and the mini Yeah, spirits. there's all kinds of kinky stuff that going on in the background there. <laughs> is this... Is this uh, podcast <laughs> you guys have been very clean i'm impressed don't you think that's weird though how would a society i i don't think it evolved i think it devolved oh, sure. to the point where they were completely separated and technology was the thing that was keeping them apart don't you think that makes sense to me yeah hmm. interesting way of looking at it craig cohen any thoughts it is, and, and that's one of the things that I love so much about what we've done with this podcast in terms of me and you sitting down and talking through these episodes and then doing these supplementals because I've always talked about how Star Trek works on two levels in the sense that you have you know, the surface-level story, and then if you dig deeper, you can, you can you know, read into that. And this was an episode that I watched completely on the surface level, and until you pointed it out on the commentary that we did and, and all the discussions that have gone on right now, I never really thought about the, you know, the correlation between uh, society's dependence on technology and then even, even working that in in an episode that deals with somebody's brain being removed where you could argue that some of these people had their brain removed via technology. Um, and that all really sort of put this episode into... A different light for me and again that's really what i love so much about star trek and and what we've been doing here wow great stuff it's pretty awesome i i feel the same way i feel the same way and uh, i love that we can appreciate these episodes on multiple levels and it's it's a lot of fun to bring in uh, guests who have other perspectives and we all can kind of share them and and, and talk them through and and hear uh, vernon's uh, trials and tribulations as they were. And I know some of our listeners have, have mentioned that to me, that they they always enjoy uh, hearing the, the updates on Vernon and how he's doing. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. I appreciate that. But before we completely wrap up the episode, I have one exercise that I'm going to save till the very, very end. And usually uh, at the end, we'll, we'll share our final thoughts on the episode that we're talking about, but I'm going to do that now and save this other exercise for the end because I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun and it may be a little bit difficult to do, uh, but it'll be very entertaining for us all to talk through it. So let's talk our final thoughts on Spock's brain uh, before we move on to the, to the end. So Craig Cohen, what are your final thoughts, final words on Spock's brain? I think this is an episode that really deserves a supplemental like this, and this could probably even be sort of subtitled uh, in defense of Spock's brain, because yeah. I think that over time, this episode has sort of just become the go-to episode to put on top of the list of 
worst episodes. There's got to be an episode there. So I think this episode is unfairly dismissed and, you know, really deserving of a, another look. And again, I, I really can't stress the fact that if an episode of Star Trek entertains you or keeps your interest, it really can't be that bad. Excellent. Excellent thoughts. Vernon, final thoughts on Spock's brain? Mini skirts and go-go boots. Awesome. <laughs> That's all it takes. All right, April, your, your turn. Okay. Well, uh, as I said at the beginning, I, I really like this episode. And watching it and talking to you guys about it did not change my mind <laughs> in any way. I think it's I, it's a fun episode to watch. Yes, it has its, its issues, some serious issues. But uh, in the end, great lines, a lot of fun to watch. And as we discussed with the whole technology and gender thing, there, there's a lot of stuff going on underneath it that really, I think that, as you said, a lot of people dismiss. It just kind of gets shoved into the background when it really is, it, it really does point out a lot about our society. So Spock's top of its head, wherever the heck that went and came back uh, aside, <laughs> the, um, the episode, I think, stands up just fine. It's great to watch, um, and I enjoy it. Awesome. Excellent, excellent wrap-ups from everybody. And slightly different perspectives here and there. So I have what I hope will be a, a very interesting final exercise. And once again, I'm going to put all three of you, actually four of us, I'm going to be on the spot as well for this one. And um, in the spirit of Spock's brain being considered the worst or among the worst Star Trek episodes by so many people, uh, and that's been kind of corroborated by Nimoy himself, uh, some interview footage I dug up and stuck on the end of our, our Spock's brain commentary. Uh, Nimoy is a little bit apologetic about the episode. <laughs> and what I want us to do, and in fact, I'll volunteer to go first on this, try to distill down your three uh, worst original series episodes as tough as this might be and it's it's okay to throw a few more in there if you want to do four or five because you can't narrow it down to just three that's completely fine so i'll throw some out first for me the absolute worst is the alternative factor uh the empath is right up there uh savage what? curtain is also really oh. really far down for me uh oh uh requiem for methuselah is way down there for me uh, cat's paws pretty far down. Oh. And uh, maybe Plato's stepchildren, aside from the, uh, the the social impact of that episode, the episode itself is pretty poor. But uh, so who who wants to to chime in next with your bottom three or thereabouts? I'll, I'll go. Just okay, go ahead, go ahead. Just because I have them, um, I'll go in order they aired. As much as will as much as it might disappoint some people, I'm going to have to say um, Miri. Mm-hmm. Um, the alternative factor and the empath. All right. Two votes for alternative factor, two votes for empath. Who's next? <laughs> okay. I'm going to agree on the first three. You said alternative factor. I can barely watch it. And Miri is, even though I love, uh, uh, what's her, what was her name? Debbie, uh, Kim Darby. Kim, Kim Darby. Darby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love her. She was great, but the, all the kids, and some of those were Shatner's kids and other producers' kids. And one of them was Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. 
Yeah, that along with the episode The Children Shall Lead are completely unwatchable to me because of the annoyance of the children and their constant, their bunk bunk on the head and nah, 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 nah. I can't watch that. It's impossible. So Miri, The Children Shall Lead, The Empath, I, I can't watch it. If, if they, could, they could cut that down to like a five-minute Star Trek short, I could probably watch it. The alternative factor is god-awful, but it is a nice example of the usage of Vasquez rock. Yep. And, and I think they rented that UFO from some other, I think it was Lost in Space, some other TV series. Oh, yeah, and the uh, the dome top of the of that UFO, I think, wound up being the enclosure for the brain guys in uh, Triskelion. Son of a bitch. That's a great episode. We got to yeah. get into that. Oh, you guys probably already did that. Oh, well, we can we can do it. We can still go back. No problem. Yeah, but, but one thing we're we're uh, intent on doing, Vernon, is keeping this show going as long as we can. And if that means talking episodes again, we will do it. Marvelous. It's a great episode. But uh, going back to worst episodes, those are mine uh, as far as TOS. And I know this isn't part of the of the te- uh, the, the uh, context. But I have to say, my least favorite episode of Star Trek at all in in the what I consider the real Star Trek canon, which is the 10 movies and the five TV series, is Shades of Grey, the clip episode from TNG. <laughs> that is the biggest waste of DVD sector space I've ever seen. Um, and they, they're not even good clips, and they repeat over and over again. The Simpsons, the same year, The Simpsons made a joke episode out of clip episodes of TV series. And TNG goes ahead and does it. (laughs) It was god-awful. So that that actually is worse than any TOS episode. I'd watch a TOS, horrible TOS episode before I'd watch Shades of Grey. Wow. Fantastic. April, you're you're up next. I know. And and all this talk has made me forget what I've said. (laughs) Okay, and the children shall leave them sucks. (laughs) It's just so bad. Melvin Belli, who... Great actor! Oh, please. He was a bad attorney. He was a good lawyer, a bad lawyer and a good actor. Right. And okay, they misused whatever. him. Anyway, he was terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I don't like Charlie Entz. I do not <gasps> like that. Because I just want to smack that kid. Um, I don't like it. And uh, I guess... I kind of like the empath. You guys didn't like oh. it, but I, I think it's okay. Charlie X is the only episode where you can see Kirk in his wrestling tights. That's the true. that I could have lived without, apparently. Um, Charlie, put on your tights and watch me do this role. <laughs> As the big oaf in the corner laughs. <laughs> and something else I didn't like, and I might, you know, cause some. I didn't like the lights of Zaytar. Oh, that's that was written great. by Lamb Chop. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> oh God! What was her name? Shirley something. Sherry. Sherry Lewis. Sherry Lewis. Yes. It was a great episode, and it was a Scotty Love interest episode, which almost never happens in, unless it results in murder. Well, it was just I just didn't like that whole. Lights and it was spooky. Thing. It's no, a good, it's no. a good Halloween episode. Okay, so I guess I'm a little bit different. I don't like Charlie X. I don't like the lights of Zaytar, but I really, really hate. And the children shall leave them. So okay, and Charlie my three. in Charlie X, we get Uhura singing two different songs. We have Spock playing the liar. There is all kinds of stuff to love about that episode, and I'm not even talking about Kirk's tights. Regardless, I don't like it. Okay, fine. wow. <laughs> 
Well, it looks like at least we have we all have seemed to have some in common. Uh, April April didn't seem to pick some of the ones that that Craig and Vernon and I uh, had in common. And Vernon, you also picked Savage Curtain as well. No, no, I love that episode. Do you Absolutely really love that episode? Wow, wow, that's 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 amazing. It's cool that we all have different ones that we hate and love. So, yeah, and it's also cool that I'm the only one who's right. Ah. <laughs> I'm well, kidding. Well, this was a this was a, a very fun fun exercise to to go through, and and someday I know Craig and I have been talking about this, and we're definitely going to get you guys involved. We're saving this uh, for for a little bit later after we're done with the the um, the third season, and we're actually going to get together and talk through are our favorite Trek episodes and the ones that we think are the best. And, and I think those episodes are going to be a heck of a lot of fun to oh, go yeah. through. So they'll be very, very in-depth. And I think we were actually even thinking of dedicating a full episode to each one of our sets of favorites. So yeah. that might be fun. And you guys can have your own as well. So Yay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very I'm cool. in. So uh, as, we, as we wrap up, as we always do, we'll give you guys a chance to talk about uh, some of the things that are going on in, in your own lives at Vernon. I'm sure the listeners would love an update on your documentary. I've been getting some angry messages lately. They're like, you are pissing off your audience. <laughs> but wow. I just want to let everybody know, I appreciate their interest, which generates that anger. But to please appreciate the fact that I have a full-time job, which is a, a very intricate and a job that takes a lot of time and energy, frankly, out of my life. But every single day, I am working on both the, the, the video documentary series, getting it ready for a DVD release, because online hosting is not just, it's just not doing it anymore, yeah. which will be made available through the Facebook Star Trek My Experience page. Um, but I'm also every day working on the image archive, which is over 10,000 photos, which I almost get... Uh, an addition to that archive every week. Wow. And I have to go through, I, I don't just uh, leave those photos as they are. I go through and what I call Vernonize them, which is just optimize the, the visual quality as much as possible. Some of them are scans, really dusty scans. And some of them are really low quality, old school digital photos. And I'm just cleaning that stuff up. It, it's almost like a, a single person taking on uh, remastering Star Trek, the original series with a computer. Right. So I am working on it every day. I appreciate everybody's interest. I just ask for a little patience and to pay attention to the Star Trek, my experience Facebook page, because there are updates on there as often as I, often as I can post them. I wanted to apologize when I saw you guys at the convention, which I think was Thursday in August. I, I was excited to see you guys. I wanted to hang out and chat. You guys were standing in line. But I'm sorry I was chasing that skirt. <laughs> we saw you again, though, Vernon. I don't. I guess you don't remember. In fact, they said, they were like, Vernon took off with some girl. Vernon, if you recall, that was only the first of maybe three or four times you took off chasing some skirt and left us standing there. So I was probably, I was probably uh, very inebriated the you next were. three. Well, I remember we were hanging out with April at the masquerade bar, and you came down from a... A party that was up in a room, <laughs> and I rem I don't remember the details, but were you missing your shirt, or did you, I, I did you was, lose a shirt, or did you it was have my somebody favorite, else's shirt? It was my favorite. <laughs> it was my favorite shirt, and I had to go out to my truck and get my work shirt and and put that on. Okay. Wow. I, I don't know, and some girl out there has my favorite 
Hawaiian shirt. I don't, I have no clue where it is. It's become somebody's souvenir of a, of a wild night with Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with you, April? Hopefully nothing as risque as the shirt story. Oh God, no, my life is incredibly boring. I am, um, I just turned in my tenure binder to get tenure oh, at the, the college that I teach at. And so I have to wait a couple months and see if they give me tenure. And uh, if they do, then I can work there for the rest of my life if I want. But uh, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that. I've been uh, trying to find... Uh, I believe there were a couple of video people taking video for our um, our Star Trek The Experience panel at uh, at the convention, and I was hoping to get that and you know so that we could put it up probably on the My Experience page. But uh, so far, nobody has come forward. I think I, I've been searching around. So if anybody out there in the listening audience has a video of that, let me know so that uh, we can get that up online so people can see it. Because that was a really, that was a really fun uh, um, panel. Oh yeah, that was such a great way to end the sort of the whole the whole convention. And I do remember there being a camera set up in the back of the room. So yeah. somebody definitely captured it. Somebody has video of that, which I think that, uh, you know, we could get to Vernon, he could edit it and put it up online. So we'll find it. I know a couple of people. I just have to contact them. But. You talking about the panel? Yeah, the panel video. Mark White. Oh, oh. So, okay. Well, now we know. We'll find out. He's holding out on me because he wants to put his watermark at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> it's exclusive video. Well, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I think it needs to be seen. Oh, definitely. It yeah. was, it's another chapter in the story that is Star Trek The Experience. That is correct. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Well, so thank you both, of course, for being on the show again. It's always great to have you. And I know our, our listeners have told us many times that they love hearing uh, both of you on the show. And uh, they always look forward to you coming back on. So I guess this will wrap up our Spock's Brain Supplemental Log episode with April A. Bear and Vernon Wilmer. Thank you guys so much for coming on. An honor and a pleasure. Thank you for having us. I'm sure you'll hear the two of you again at uh, various points throughout our season three coverage. Yes? Yes. Uh, yes. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks a and lot, Jeff, guys. Oh, yes, I want to take a minute to just say thank you for putting together such a great agenda for oh. tonight's discussion. Oh, you're very welcome. It was fun to put together, and um, I'm glad that it went so well. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you on Sunday. Hey, everybody, you didn't think we'd let you go without your sneak peek of the Red Shirt Diaries coming up tomorrow, did you? Here's Ashley and Jason. Episode 8, Miri. Williams brought something back to the ship. Oh. And only Dr. McCoy can keep her healthy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so we wanted to bring Dr. McCoy onto the show. And what's the best way to do that? Well, it's a space disease. And only Dr. McCoy's medical examination can save Vincent Williams. Or maybe it won't. And the series ends. And there's not two more episodes. Who knows? Maybe I'm lying. <laughs> so are we going to see some makeup in this one? Yes. I, I guess you could you could really <laughs> generously call it makeup. <laughs> You're going to see uh, some um, careful use of color gelatin. Ah. And our Dr. McCoy is played by DC Comics writer Sterling Gates, if you're familiar with him. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. And we will see your episode tomorrow. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.